Hi friends, it's me again, your host Katie, back with another episode. This is a case episode and I'm excited. I feel like it's been a minute since we did a case episode. So anyways, if you're listening and you're new, hi, I'm Katie, the host of Suspect Podcast. Um, The whole purpose of this podcast is really for it to just to be a safe space for us all to learn and grow together, um, learn about different communities, different laws that different different laws that definitely do affect the way um, that we live on a daily basis. So hi, if you're new, we're so happy to have you. Like I said, this is a safe space um, where it's okay to be wrong because we're going to learn about why we're wrong and how to implement the change in our communities moving forward. So hello, and if you are a listener of Suspect and you're back for our 51st episode Hi, I love you. I'm so happy that you're here. Welcome back to another week. So before we jump into the episode today, I figured um, we could just kind of catch up. You know, I know we did the Reddit episode and that was kind of a quick little fun catch up episode. But yeah, I figured with the longer episode, we could, you know, maybe have a story time because I have a fucking embarrassing story to tell you guys. So... I told you guys during the holidays, I was kind of busy just working. Um, I stayed home. I didn't really do too much. I usually go to like a couple Christmas parties, maybe throw one. I didn't do that this year, but we had a work Christmas party. Woo! So for all of you listening, I feel like this is kind of hit or miss, right? Because you either really fuck with your coworkers or you tolerate your coworkers. And if you have a Christmas party and you tolerate your coworkers, it's not that fun, you know what I mean? Because you're kind of not really wanting to be there, but still kind of wanted to show your face to look good, and it can just kind of be awkward. But if you're like me, and you really fuck with your coworkers, any kind of like get together, Christmas or not, you're gonna have a fucking great time, right? So that's how I am. So at my current job, I genuinely love all my coworkers. Like they're so sweet. They're fun. Like they're down to earth ass people. Like even my managers, fucking dope ass people don't have a bad word to say about anybody that I work with. Right. So one of my managers basically got promoted recently. And so she's having to relocate to North Carolina, which is cool, but that's pretty far from Colorado. So we decided that we were going to do like this Christmas slash like Amy, that's her name, is like going away party. So cool, whatever. It's fucking, first of all, let me just say, Colorado people are a different breed, bro. They don't give a fuck if it's 40 degrees outside, 20 degrees outside, 10 degrees and snowing outside. If there's a fucking party, these people are going to be there. Like I have never seen anything like it in my life. And I've honestly kind of had to like get used to it because, you know, I've been here for three years now. So it's like, obviously, if it's like fucking negative 20 degrees outside, I'm not going outside. But if it's like 20, 30 degrees outside, these people thrive in that. So I'm trying. It doesn't always work out the best. But anyway, this specific night for the work Christmas party, it was freezing outside. We had just had like four days of snow, four days of like negative temperatures. So it was like 15 degrees outside. I'm not kidding. So anyway, 
I hadn't been out of the house. I genuinely, like one of my coworkers who actually listened to this podcast, hi, Anna. <laughs> I love her to death. She just like, you guys know how when you meet someone that it feels like you've known them like your whole life, like some matrix shit where you just keep meeting and like, you know, different lives. That's how I felt when I first met Anna. And I love her. So anyway, she told me she was going. I was like, cool. If Anna's going, I'm going. We'll go together. Whatever. So we go to this Christmas party. Um, It's at uh, like a Mexican restaurant. I think it was called like Three Margaritas or something like that. I don't know. It was a nice Mexican restaurant. Food, amazing. Like I feel like, you know, going to like an authentic Mexican restaurant, you know the food's going to be bomb. Doesn't fucking matter. So we go, I'm having like a margarita and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm vibing, like having a good time with my coworkers, feeling fucking fantastic. Um, I finish my margarita. I'm like, okay, cool. I'll get a second margarita. I get a second margarita. So by the time I finish the second margarita, my ass realistically needs to be drinking water at this point. Like, first of all, I am a lightweight if you've ever fucking seen one and then being in Colorado with the altitude like it definitely fucks up like how much you can drink so in Florida I could drink like a full pack of White Claws and I'd be fucking good like not hungover totally totally fine here I have a couple of White Claws and I can already feel myself starting to get hungover anyways so after this second margarita literally I should have went in the bathroom and had a fucking talk with myself and be like, all right, bitch, like that's enough. We're capping the fuck out. Like that's, that's fucking it. Like you're done. Like you're literally done. I don't do that. (laughs) Needless to say, I do not fucking do that. So I continue drinking my margarita because it was like one of the shaker ones. So it wasn't just like a glass. Like I could keep refilling my glass and I did so. And then my boss is like, does anybody want a tequila shot? And I'm out with literally all my coworkers and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not not going to do a tequila shot. Like it's the fucking work Christmas party. So we all take a tequila shot together. And after that, like I was just done for pretty much. Like I was just fucking done for. So we like are hanging out at the restaurant for a little bit. And then one of my managers, yes, my manager was like, hey, like, well, let's all go back to my house and like have a couple drinks and just like hang out there. You know, the night's still young because it was like eight o'clock at this point. So I was like, sure. I was like, cool. Let's go back to your house. Let's have a couple drinks, whatever. My coworker was like, I'll take you home. So don't worry about it. I was like, cool, let's do it. I'm fucking game. So we go back to my manager's house. Um, having a good time, just having some drinks, had a couple shots. At this point, I did not need to be drinking, you guys. Like, I literally, by the time I left the restaurant, I needed to take my ass home and go to fucking bed. But I didn't do that. Because when I start drinking, I am, like, very social. And I love to, like, hang out with people, talk to people about whatever. Like, it literally doesn't matter. So the social opportunist in me was like, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. So we go back, we're drinking, having fun, dancing to some music. Before you know it, I am in the middle of all of my coworkers dancing. Like we're in like a dance circle, just all switching places, like going in and out, like in a dance circle. I'm I have a blunt in my hand. The next thing I know, I'm dancing. I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck is going on? Right. So this happens for hours, you guys. And you have to imagine, like, I've like me and Anna, like I said, are like pretty good friends. So Anna 
and I have definitely like had some drinks before, but this is like my managers, bro. This is all like the coworkers that I trained because they use me to like train in office sometimes. And oh my God. So it's like all of us. And I'm just in the middle of this fucking dance circle with a blunt in my hand, drunk as fuck in front of my manager. And I was just like not even thinking about it. Right. I'm having a fucking great time. My manager's smoking. We're all having a good time. So the next thing I know, it's like two o'clock in the morning and I'm like oh my god like did I just dance for five hours straight yeah I did so my manager's like one of my other managers because there's like multiple of them at this party she was like hey like let me give you a ride home like I'll make sure you get home safe and I'm like cool whatever so my manager was giving like three of us a ride home like can you imagine like this is literally our boss at work and she has three of her employees in the back of her car like fucking toasted bro So me and my manager and this other girl that I work with like walk out to her car and we're like sitting there for a second and then the one of the girls will call her M. She like starts not to feel well. And so one of my male coworkers who was also getting a ride home, we'll call him I. I is like, okay, I'm going to go inside and get M some water. Like you guys stay here. So me and Amy are like, cool, like we'll stay here. So as soon as I walks inside to go get M some water, M starts throwing up. And I'm just like, oh, my God, this poor girl. Like, she's new to the company. She's throwing up in front of us. Like, she probably is just so embarrassed, right? So I already was not feeling good at this point, but I was trying to, like, kind of hold it in, you know? Well, as soon as M starts throwing up, my body was like, nope, okay, let's go ahead and do this. So then me and M are throwing up together. We're sitting in our boss's car, bro. Like, don't forget the moral of the fucking story. We're in our boss's car throwing up together at the same fucking time. And it was just like, oh my God. So then I comes back with the water, gives M some water. I drink some water. And then I just start laughing because you have to imagine like at this point, I'm still drunk. So I'm not even embarrassed that I just threw up. It's I thought it was funny that me and her were like throwing up together. Um, So we had like a laugh about that, whatever. And then I go home and I was like super hungover the next morning. But the point of the story is I threw up, bro, in front of my manager. And I'm sure like when she went back to work on Monday, she just had this visual of me like hacking like in her back seat. And it was so like I was so embarrassed like the next day. But I also had so much fun. So I like didn't even care. But yeah, that was like my embarrassing Christmas story that I just had to tell you guys. Like, obviously, I like told Anna about it. And I was like, bitch, listen to fucking this, bro. Listen to this. Um, and her and I had like a laugh about it, but I wish you guys could know like how embarrassing that was. Like you imagine puking in your boss's car right now and imagine going back to work on Monday and looking them in the eye and tell me how you think you'd fucking feel. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. It was obviously embarrassing, but I love my coworkers. They're such a good time. And I just think it's like so cool to genuinely fuck with your coworkers. You know, it's one thing to be like, yeah, they're cool, but I like really think they're all cool. So I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful that my little puke sesh didn't last too long, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought you guys would think that was a funny story. Funny, funny story. So what have you guys like been watching um, on TV, I guess? I'm trying to think about what I've been watching. I watched... All of the White Lotus. I liked that a lot. I I watched. What did I watch? 
watch I, I watch football that's been my life the last couple weeks with these fucking nfl playoffs bro i really thought jacksonville was gonna shock me there and they, they didn't they didn't they fucking got eliminated so um football's almost over oh you guys want to know a thing that makes me mad so I don't know how many of you listening watch football, but my entire life, right? My birthday's in February. It's February 7th. So my entire life, Super Bowl weekend has been the first weekend in February, which is always my birthday weekend. Like, so you have to imagine like growing up my entire life, I always planned something for Super Bowl because it was like my birthday weekend. I really like football. It just kind of fits perfectly. Like it was just meant to be that it's on my birthday weekend. So anyway, so I booked this trip to Florida for my birthday and I'm like so excited about it because at this time, like Jacksonville was still in the championships. So I was like, okay, perfect. If they win, I'll be in Jacksonville, like Super Bowl weekends, like cool, whatever. Bitch, tell me why I just realized that the NFL made like the the week like the not the week the NFL made the season a week longer so now they all I think it's like an extra divisional game before you go to the Super Bowl but anyway they made the NFL season a week longer so moving forward the fucking Super Bowl is going to be on the second weekend of February every year which like to some people is not a big deal but to me it is because it's always been on my birthday weekend so I specifically booked my trip to Jacksonville thinking like okay yeah I'm gonna be able to be there for Super Bowl it's gonna be such a fun time only to find out that Super Bowl's on the fucking 12th so I booked my trip a week early and like I already have the days off work so there's nothing I can do but it's just like oh my god bro I wanted to write the fucking NFL letter and be like listen you fucking million trillion billion dollar company you really have inconvenienced me with making the game a the Super Bowl a week later. Like, why did you guys do that? Why not just start NFL season a week earlier? I feel like that makes a lot more sense. But no, they said, fuck Katie. We don't care about you, Katie. It's fine. It's literally so fine. Oh, yeah, that just really I didn't even realize that until the other day I was like looking at my calendar about to book my plane ticket. And then it said February 12th Super Bowl. And I was like, it needs to be on the 5th. Oh, it's so frustrating, honestly. So fucking frustrating. But whatever. I'm excited to go to Florida and see my family and get some tattoos. So I'll keep you guys posted. I'm going to try to get a couple episodes out before my Florida trip. And then hopefully, like when I'm in Florida, I would love to do like an episode with Delaney. You guys, you guys know Delaney. We love her. She likes being on the podcast. So maybe we'll do like an episode when I'm in Florida. We'll see. We shall see. Oh, another thing. So I told you guys that I got a new laptop for Christmas. I did not buy that, but it was a present and I'm so fucking thankful. Love the laptop. Hope the sound and audio sounds good. But something I bought for myself, which I'm so fucking excited about. I think I was talking about it on here, but so I have like a bunch of books that I've like ordered or books that I found and like, you know, the free little book thing that people have outside their houses. And I have like So in my apartment, the wall is not like flat, like towards the bottom, like the wall comes out a little bit to the where there's like a ledge, which I kind of like it, you know, you can set shit up there, I guess. But I had like all of my books on that ledge behind my bed, which was fine. Like they fit on there. They looked fine. 
But then, like, I just got to a point where I was getting annoyed because I'd, like, knock a book off or, like, one would fall over and it would just mess up, like, the whole fucking vibe, right? So... I think I talked about this on here, but I was like looking for bookshelves that I really wanted and saved a couple and whatever, but I finally ordered one and it's like this modern, like it has like white shelves and it's like in an arch shape. So it's like a gold arch with like white shelves and it is just the cutest fucking thing ever. And I put all my books on there and then I have like, you know, my little bookshelf decorations. So I have like a crystal ball um like a genie lamp like just some cute you know little magician hipster I guess Wiccan shit (laughs) I don't really know what to call it but it's just so cute and I'm so happy and I have like my shelves organized I have like my true crime shelf I have like my fiction crime shelf and it's just really coming together so yeah if you guys followed me on Instagram you probably already saw me post a picture of it but I'm just obsessed with her and I don't know. Maybe this is part of getting older, but I kind of feel corny that I'm like 25, almost 26. And I'm like so fucking excited about this bookshelf. I was so happy to open it. Like I put it together by myself and it was like, oh, this bookshelf needs two people at least to put together. No, bitch, it doesn't. I defied gravity again and put that shit together by myself, by myself. Because ladies, listen to me. Listen up. You don't need a man to build a bookshelf. (laughs) You can do it by yourself. You might need a man's tools though. So (laughs) if you have a neighbor that you can borrow those from, great. If not, Amazon has some cute little pink tool sets. Go get one of those, okay? But yeah, I did that by myself and I was so proud. It only took me like an hour and I did it after I got off of work one day. And she's so cute and we love her. I think that's like one of my goals for this year is I really just want like nice furniture. You know what I mean? I think like as you get older, that's something you realize because when you're like 18 and you move into like your first apartment by yourself, girl, you don't even care if you got like a what is it called? A bed frame? Nothing. You don't care about any of that. You said fuck the bed frame. Mattress can go on the floor. Fuck a couch. Futon it is. You know, like that's the kind of mindset you have at 18 when you're moving it into your first place. Like, which is totally fine. Like, that's minimalist. Like, you don't really have to have a bunch of shit, you know. But now as I get older, (laughs) I'm like, okay, I want, like, nice furniture so that if I do move into another place, like, I just already have these nice pieces and I don't have to, like, try and coordinate colors or anything because they all go together, whatever. So, yeah, my goal is this year is to just get some nice furniture for my place. And I definitely, like, want to get a new, like, bed frame and headboard Um, like a new entertainment center I've been obsessed with like the farm style is that what it's called farmhouse style or something like that like the entertainment centers that you can like slide the doors open like a nice wooden one I don't know we'll see I'll keep you guys posted on my interior decorating (laughs) but yeah that's my goal for this year Okay, so jumping into the case today like I said we're still kind of on our holiday episodes so If you're sick of hearing holiday stuff, skip forward, go to a different podcast. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But this is a crazy case. This is actually a crazy story. And when I was looking up holiday stories, I was reading this and I was like, I cannot fucking believe this happened. And like this name is not familiar to me. So if you're listening and you've heard, stick along for a crazy story. But if you have not heard of John Battaglia, I think that's how you say it. John Battaglia then fasten your fucking seatbelts because this, I'm not kidding you, is a wild, 
diabolical one, I guess is the best way to put it. I've been using the word diabolical a lot because I watched, I don't know if you guys watched this on, I think it's on Amazon, but the boys, like the superhero show, um, what's his name? Butch, maybe? I don't know. But the British guy in the show always says that about like everything. He's like, that's diabolical. That was probably a terrible British accent, but he said, that's diabolical. That's diabolical. So I've been using it a lot. But no, I think diabolical is the perfect terminology for this case today. So jumping right into it, let me zoom in on my screen because honestly, you guys, I'm a little fucking blind. Um, um, that's part of this. That's another part of this laptop is I'm having to figure out like how to do so. It took me like 30 minutes to figure out how to get my mic. To oh, I did it. It took me like 30 minutes to figure out how to get my mic to work. Um, so bear with me. Okay. So John David Battaglia Jr. was an American convicted murderer who was executed by the state of Texas for filicide. And for those of you listening who don't know what filicide is, it is the deliberate act of a parent killing their own child. He was convicted of killing his two young daughters in May 2001 in an act of ultimate revenge against his estranged wife, Mary Jean Pearl, who had separated from him after his numerous instances of assault and violence. Battaglia was executed for the murders on February 1st, 2018. So almost five years ago is when he was executed for this. So a little about Battaglia, he was of Italian ancestry and he was born on a military base in Enterprise, Alabama. As a child, he moved across the country into Germany. His father left the military in 1970. Battaglia attended high school in Oregon and Dumont, New Jersey, ultimately graduating from Dumont High School. <laughs> I'm not good with pronouncing things. I think you guys know that by now. He attended Fairly Dickinson University being an accounting major after initially being a pre-med major but dropped out in 1976 at the urging of a friend which is just like okay peer pressure already like you're easily persuaded not good vibes bro Battaglia not good vibes so after getting into trouble with the law for using illegal drugs he joins the marines he became a sergeant and he left the marines to become an accountant he moves to Dallas because his father lived there, and he takes night classes to become a certified public accountant, CPA, and he did modeling. He ultimately became an accountant. <laughs> so he's doing a lot of things. Like, I just think it's so funny. Not that men can't do modeling, but just in this scenario where they're like, oh, well, he was an accountant, and then he goes into the Marines. He was also a model. He was an Instagram influencer. Like, okay, Battaglia, slow the fuck down, bro. Slow the fuck down. Slow down. So Battaglia has a daughter, Christy, from a previous marriage to Michelle Getty in Dallas. At one point, Michelle, an attorney, filed a request for Battaglia to be arrested on grounds of harassment. He had committed domestic violence against Michelle on one occasion. He assaulted her outside of the school that Christy attended. On another, he caused her a broken nose. And then another, he assaulted her at a bus stop in retaliation for arrest request, causing her to be admitted to a hospital. In 1987, Battaglia admitted guilt to a misdemeanor charge and was punished with probation for a two-year period. 
So it almost just seems like already he's like escalating with like the domestic violence abuse, you know, which is something that we see so common in offenders is like before it really hits its like final stage of like, holy shit, what the fuck? Like it kind of just progressively gets worse to their partners or people that are involved with them. The woman who would become his second wife, Mary Jean Pearl, resided in Highland Park, Texas, in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. They married on April 6, 1991. His two daughters with Pearl, Mary Faith and Liberty Mae Battaglia, were students at John S. Bradfield Elementary School in Highland Park. In January 1999, Pearl separated from Battaglia after verbal abuse and he was not permitted to live with her. At Christmas 1999, Battaglia was on a visit to see Faith and Liberty when he attacked Pearl in a domestic violence incident. As a result, he pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor-level assault charge and was given two years probation. Pearl filed for divorce immediately after the incident, and the divorce was finalized in August 2000. I mean, imagine that, like you're meeting up with like your baby's daddy who you know is crazy, right? You already know this motherfucker has some issues mentally, but you're like almost trying to give him the benefit of the doubt and allowing him to see still see his children and then he attacks you. Oh, no, 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 no. Abuse of power as a man. Oh, I just can't stand that when men do things because they know that they're men and they can like Fuck all of you. Fuck all, literally all of you that do that. <laughs> Pearl was attempting to have Battaglia's parole revoked because he had harassed her over the telephone. He was not supposed to send messages to her and she contended that he should be incarcerated because of his history of domestic violence. He also used marijuana, which violated the terms of his probation. Up to that point, he had not hit either of his daughters. Pearl stated that he had previously doted upon them, and until he killed the girls, she did not believe he was willing to harm them, despite his earlier domestic violence towards adult women. He was allowed to have his periodic visits with them. To his acquaintances, he made negative statements about his ex-wives while making positive statements about his daughters. Jacqueline Floyd, a columnist for the Dallas Morning News, stated, he fooled people into believing that he was a devoted father. Ugh, which just like breaks my heart because obviously the story is about to get a lot worse. But it just like breaks my heart because this happens when like men do things like this. And the fucking mother Pearl, she's like, please, like you have to arrest him. He contacted me. He violated probation. Like this is a dangerous man. Like he does drugs, whatever. And the police are just kind of like, huh? Yeah, you know. Okay. Like, okay, listen, police officers, I know that y'all don't give a shit about this woman being beaten because y'all go home and beat your wives as well. But at the end of the day, look what happens. Like, we're going to talk about what happens, but this could have all been resolved if the woman was just taken seriously. But we never are. So that's part of the problem. And then I just love this quote. He fooled people into believing that he was a devoted father. The storyline that we've heard so many times, right? Like, let's talk about um, Chris Watts or Scott Peterson. He, they, Those men also wanted, like, 
everyone around them or everyone with an outside view to think that they were these devoted, loving husbands, devoted, loving fathers. And it's not the reality of the situation. They were abusers or sociopaths. So on May 2nd, 2001, Pearl left her daughters with Battaglia for a planned dinner at the mall. But instead, he took them to his apartment in the Adam Hatz lofts in Deep Ellum in Dallas. Battaglia called Pearl from the apartment. With Pearl on the phone, he shot and killed his daughters, age six and nine. During the phone call, he asked Faith to ask Pearl, why do you want daddy to go to jail? Before her death, she cried, no, daddy, please don't, don't do it. Pearl then told the girls to run, but it was too late. John grabbed his gun and shot Faith three times and shot Liberty five times with his gun. He told Pearl, Merry fucking Christmas, in reference to the Christmas 1999 assault. Pearl terminated the call and dialed 911. After the killings, Battaglia left a message on the answering machine in the girls' bedroom. Hi, girls. I just want to tell you how very, very brave you were, and I hope that you're resting in a better place now. I wish that you had nothing to do with your mother. She's evil and vicious and stupid. Whew. Okay, so pause. That was a lot to take in. So yeah, he calls her mom and kills these girls on the phone with his baby mama and then hangs up and calls the girl's phone and leaves this creepy ass voicemail like... I don't know. It's like two things for me. It's like, okay, you clearly probably had some mental issues going on, but a lot of this feels very premeditated to me where like you knew before you even picked those girls up what you were going to do to them. Like you knew that that would be their mother's last time seeing them. And that's what he wanted. Like that's what it really feels like he wanted. After this, Battaglia then visits a tattoo parlor and got two roses representing his daughters on his left biceps. He was apprehended shortly afterward, getting into a fist fight with the arresting police officers, which left him with a black eye. Police confiscated 16 firearms from his house. Texas authorities stated that Battaglia killed his daughters out of retaliation because Pearl had complained to his probation officer. The funeral for the two girls was held at Our Redeemer Lutheran Church in North Dallas, and they were buried at Hillcrest Cemetery in North Dallas with Pearl's father. Oh, I don't bro. Just this whole idea of like, okay, well, he killed them because he was retaliating. Okay, how seriously fucked are you in the head if your idea of retaliation is killing your daughters because you're pissed your baby mama called your probation officer? That's why she was doing it, bro. Like, she had a bad feeling. Like, ugh. Just, I don't know. Killing children out of retaliation? Like, that. that's a bit fucking extreme, I'd say. Battaglia's capital murder trial began on April 22, 2002, and was held at the Frank Crowley Courts Building in Dallas. Howard Blackman was the lead prosecutor. Battaglia was represented by Paul Johnson and Paul Brochel. Jurors deliberated for 19 minutes before convicting Battaglia of the highest charge, capital murder. During the penalty phase of the trial, Battaglia's lawyer argued that their client should not receive the death penalty, but because he had bipolar disorder. 
On April 30, 2002, the same jury sentenced Battaglia to death. After he received his sentence, Battaglia was held at the Polensky unit near Livingston. After the sentencing, his ex-wife told him to burn in hell forever. She also said, You are one of the most heinous murderers of modern times. I would like to say the next time you see me is when they put the needle in your arm, but I'm not going to waste time to be there. Pearl did ultimately change her mind and witnessed the execution nearly 16 years later. Christy Battaglia publicly expressed support for Battaglia's execution, as did Michelle Getty. So death sentences are automatically appealed, and Battaglia's attorneys fought to have his sentence commuted from death to life without parole. Battaglia was scheduled to be executed on March 30, 2016, but the 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals issued a stay so that the court could rule on his attorney's claims that he was not mentally competent to be executed. The state of Texas did not challenge this stay and his, and his execution was postponed. On April 5, 2016, Battaglia was given an execution date of December 7, 2016. On December 2, 2016, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals issued a state of execution for Battaglia due to questions concerning his mental health. The ruling gave his attorney 60 days to argue before the Court of Criminal Appeals. On September 20, 2017, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals dismissed Battaglia's claim of mental incompetence. At a hearing in November 2016, a mental health expert testified that Battaglia was likely faking symptoms of mental illness in an attempt to delay his execution. The appeals court affirmed this, stating that Battaglia was likely malingering. Before making the challenges of mental capacity, Battaglia read about the relevant legal cases at the Polensky Unit's law library. So he was like reading up on this. You know what I mean? He was like, oh, this is what I could say. Like, this is a claim. And this is something that we see a lot with criminals is like, if they don't want to take like a guilty or a not guilty like plea, they'll plea like mental incompetency. You know what I mean? Like they're like, oh, well, I wasn't in the right mind. And don't get me wrong. That is the case for a lot of people. So I'm not saying that's not the case, but I'm just saying it's like, oh, very convenient. You read about this in a couple stories, a couple cases in the library, and now you're trying to do it. Like, okay, dude. On October 31st, 2017, Battaglia's death warrant was signed and a new execution date was set for February 1st, 2018. Subsequent appeals failed. Battaglia was executed by lethal injection at 9.40 p.m. Central Standard Time on February 1, 2018 at the Huntsville Unit in Huntsville, nearly 16 years after his original sentencing. No one was in the convict side of the witness room. Mary Jean Pearl was in the victim side of the death chamber viewing area to watch him die. Upon seeing his ex-wife in the witness room, Battaglia said, Well, hi, Mary Jane. Then turning to the warden, stated, I'll see you later. Bye. Go ahead, please. As she walked away from the glass window that separated her from Battaglia, Pearl said, I've seen enough of him. He said, Hi, Mary Jane. Mm-mm, I bet Pearl wanted to fucking bust that glass down and <laughs> take care of him right then and there. 
I've seen enough of him. Mm, that's so awful, bro. Oh, my God. During the 2000s, this is one of a spate of domestic homicides related to the park cities, Highland and University Park, two wealthy enclaves in the Metroplex. Stephen McCod of the Dallas Observer wrote, Never in memory have the park cities been jolted by such unspeakable and apparently similar family homicides as the three most recent killings, all of which occurred in a 25-month cluster. No, Daddy, don't. A Father's Murderous Act of Revenge, a 2003 nonfiction book by Irene Pence is about the murders. As a result of the crime, Toby Goodman sponsored a bill in the Texas state legislature that would ask judges to consider history of domestic violence when considering whether or not parental visits with children would be supervised. The Texas Senate unanimously passed Bill 140, which was signed into the law by Texas Governor Rick Perry, taking effect on September 1st, 2001, which is like just sad that it had to take something like this to get a bill in place where it was like, hey, if somebody has a previous history of like repeated domestic violence abuse, these visitations should be supervised. Like you think that would be kind of like a no shit thing in the court's mind, but no, like, oh. Hannah's house, a supervised visitation facility, was founded as a direct result of this case and Bill 140. A chance meeting at the courthouse during the sentencing phase between Mary Jean Pearl and the founder-slash-executive director, Wayne Whitworth, ultimately resulted in her, Mary, joining the board of directors for a short while. Later, Faith and Liberty's Place, a center for supervised visits of children operated by the Dallas Domestic Abuse Shelter, the Family Place, was established in memory of the victims. Oh, Faith and Liberty's Place, bro, that's fucking heartbreaking. These baby girls. Dallas County Family Court Judge David Finn had, had dismissed Battaglia's assault charge in a previous hearing. The year after the killings, he resigned his position as a judge and ran against incumbent Bill Hill for election as Dallas County District Attorney. Pearl campaigned against Finn, stating that his ruling kept Battaglia out of prison, which allowed the father to kill his daughters. Finn lost the March 12th election when he received only 25% of the vote. Yes. Yes, Mary Pearl. This is what you do. Like, you literally make a difference in your community. Like, no, fuck you, dude, because you overturned his assault charge when you knew it was serious. And now look what the fuck happened. And now you want to be district attorney? You're not even protecting anyone. Like, fuck out of here. Love her for that. What a power move. Literally, what a power move. And that, my friends, is the case of John Battaglia, the guy that murdered his children while he was on the phone with his baby mama. What an awful story. Like, just think about how fucked you have to be as a person. Like, he probably knew because this is he's clearly a narcissist, right? Clearly was. He probably had like done and said everything he could think of to Mary and he knew it wasn't affecting her anymore. So he was like, I know something that will affect you and use the kids, bro. Like that's evil, evil, evil work, bro. Oh, that is so, so terrible. 
gotta be and listen this is not victim blaming at all obviously mary could never have known that that was going to happen but i say this to my friends a lot like it is so important to be careful who you have kids with like you just don't know bro like even if you think they're just the sweetest thing in the world they could flip a switch after a child comes so Look for those red flags, bro. And if the police are not helping you in a situation, make sure that you're letting a loved one know what is going on so that they can at least be on call for you or do whatever they can to get you out of that situation. Ugh. Unfortunately, domestic abuse, especially when it's being claimed to be happening by women, is not something that the police take seriously. I mean, it's kind of like the rape thing. They don't take that seriously when women said that they've been raped either. So if you're a woman and you're listening to this and you were in a domestic abusive situation, please make sure that you guys know there are a lot of resources out here that can help you, that can make sure that you're put into a safe space, that can you know, check in on you until you are able to get out of that environment. And I really encourage you just to, you know, I'll put some in the show notes as well, but just really use those resources, reach out to a loved one, reach out to someone that you feel comfortable speaking with and sharing this information with them. You know, you don't have to fight this alone. Like I promise you don't. And if you are in that situation, like I genuinely want you to know that even if you don't feel like it right now, because you're around, a narcissist who's telling you it's not true like you are so loved you are so valuable to this world it's why you're here and there is a better side to all of this I guess is all I'm trying to say the grass is greener on the other side like I promise it does get better like once you're out of that situation (sighs) and of course I know I'm not super close to all of you listening but if you are in that situation and you just want someone to talk to like my messages are always open like I don't care if it's 3 a.m. I don't care if it's 5 p.m. I will get to you I will be here for you I will talk you through it counsel you whatever the fuck you need from me so just want you guys to know that like my messages are a safe space and if it's not domestic abuse and you just want something to talk about like someone to chat to like that's fine my messages are always always a safe space so just wanted you guys to know that but yeah I hope you guys I guess enjoyed is not the right word for it, but I hope you guys were like, what the fuck, towards this case the same way I was. If you are from the area or have any more information on maybe some details I did not mention on this case, feel free to send those over to me at Suspect Podcast or at Katie Kennedy on Instagram. And I'll definitely do like a little update corner and, you know, give those updates if you have any. <laughs> But as always, thank you guys so much for listening. Very happy to be back. We're moving into February. Um, If you don't have a Valentine, it's fine. You can be my Valentine. That was kind of (laughs) corny. Sorry. (gasps) Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, I love you. Follow the Instagrams. Leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And until the next episode. I love you. Bye.